A McKinsey study prior to the COVID-19 pandemic suggested that while the idea of automating processes has been in the minds of leadership even before 2020, for the most part, those that had serious inclinations went so far as to do pilot trials of one or more business functions. Now, the mobility restrictions induced by that pandemic and the imperative to move on may just be the impetus to trigger a more serious investment around automation beyond just the adoption of business process automation and robotic process automation. With us today is Carlos Gomez Gallego, Chief Technology Officer for Asia Pacific and Japan at Aruba Networks, to talk about the evolving challenges in the journey towards automation and just how maybe AI holds at least one of the keys to wider and more fruitful adoption of the concept. Carlos, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Hi, Alan. Great to be here. Thank you. What are some of the toughest operational challenges faced by organizations in Asia Pacific and their IT teams today? And how are traditional IT tools lacking in helping enterprises operate a more seamless networking infrastructure? Yeah, that's a great question. And and I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges, especially over the past couple of years, is really how IT teams are juggling projects between sort of solving issues for remote workers and, and suddenly a workforce that is not in the office, whilst also planning those return to office projects with, you know, some of the changes and requirements for, for hybrid workplace and, uh, and digital transformations. So I think that's one challenge, just juggling those new projects that sort of weren't planned for. But I think a, a second one is more simple, and it's it's really being bound by human scale. Networks are getting bigger, more complex, more diverse, more applications, more data, more cybersecurity challenges. And there's only so much individual people can do. And so I think a, at some point, you really need to augment that end user experience and the human experience um, or leveraging, you know, computational technology. How do you see emerging technologies, some of these challenges that you've raised? Look, there's issues such as just the ongoing managing network configuration and compliance, you know, especially if you work in a regulatory environment such as finance or, or healthcare. You know, there's a lot of players in the industry as well. How do you get trusted advice? You know, do you go to your maybe traditional vendors or you know, are you looking at newer startup companies and new emerging technologies? And I think there's there's also a lot of burnout certainly within the IT organizations at having to do a lot of repetitive, sort of mundane, busy work that prevents people from actually doing more interesting line of business work that really supports the innovation of the business, not just the keep the lights on kind of scenario. What exactly is artificial intelligence for IT operations or what they call AI ops? And can you cite a couple of new trends arising from the use of this technology? AIOps, you know, combines big data and machine learning algorithms to effectively try to augment the day-to-day IT operations, ranging from those sort of maybe more mundane types of tasks, but also potentially extending into much more critical and complex operations that are constantly on. The thing about AIOps is, is it's always on, it's always working for you, it's always looking at trying to leverage that data to give you great monitoring, reporting data and insights. And I think the evidence is clear that we need to leverage these kinds of technologies. Um, there's research out there that uh, talks about, I think it was 75% of the global 
global 2000 IT operations are, are looking at leveraging AI ops for their own internal workforce. And, and certainly at, at Aruba and Hewlett Packard Enterprise, you know, we're putting a lot of investment into making sure that we can provide these capabilities because customers are asking us about this. And the trend is about moving towards a break fix model to something that allows us to try to get ahead of potential performance security issues and the like. So certainly in speaking to customers, we hear a lot that AI ops is absolutely fundamental to their ongoing operations because they need their key people to be working on strategic problems. And as I mentioned earlier, with regards to the sheer volume of data that has to be sort of correlated and and analyzed, it just gets beyond the scope of humans being able to actually do a lot of that legwork, that grunt work versus leveraging their expertise to actually interpret the results and leverage that to actually make improvements and enhancements on whatever part of the the network or, or the technology stack may be. Every time somebody talks to me about emerging technologies, there are generally a few things that come to mind always. Uh, One is scalability, the other one security, and more recently, at least with anything that involves AI, there's the topic of trust. Let's start off with scalability. Is AI ops technology today, is it mature enough to cost-effectively scale? Yes, I think it is. And a large part of that is because a lot of the software and technology that traditionally was used on-prem to manage networks and secure networks has moved to the cloud. And so by leveraging the cloud scale capabilities, you do have that ability to really scale because we are talking about a lot of data in order to really do this effectively. So I think that the scalability question is, is certainly yes. Now, obviously, that comes at a cost as well, whether you're hosting your own VPCs inside the public cloud providers or whether you're consuming as a service, there's obviously a cost associated to that. But I think ultimately the benefits that you can get from that in the longer term would far outweigh what those costs are, which by the way, companies are moving to the cloud regardless of AI ops. I think that's something that works more efficiently when you've got your data more centralized, more organized, and and you can leverage that scale. So yeah, I, I do believe it is ready. Somebody told me that part of the reason why we have software vulnerabilities is because it's written by humans. And I imagine <laughs> AI today, it's it's also written by humans. So I asked the question, can we guarantee today that AI ops is as secure as it can get? Absolutely. I think, look, you can always do better. Um, But I think in the same way that the sort of humans are are obviously potentially a weak link, the sort of tools that we use to actually, you know, develop software, do testing, whether that's internal, independent and the like is pretty phenomenal compared to where it was sort of even five, 10 years ago. And I think one of the other things is when you're leveraging applications that live inside a, you know, a public cloud infrastructure, those companies, they spend a lot of money and time and resources on securing access to that. And a lot of the security breaches that happen are typically from misconfigurations, not necessarily, not always just vulnerabilities in the software stack. So we take cybersecurity and and the entire security lifecycle of software products and hardware products um, very seriously. And I I think whether it's it's an AI ops use case or whether you're using big data with the security lens over it or others, I think, you know, security by design and and security embedded is just a principle that is non-negotiable when developing software. It's never going to be perfect necessarily, but I do think we're in a better situation than we've ever been. Finally, the issue of trust. I spoke to a couple of IT heads and we were saying, can you trust an AI to do something that has always been supervised by a human uh, for the most part and do it to do so without supervision? So do you see humans willing to ever let an AI autonomously perform a complex, even (laughs) critical function without supervision, without oversight? 
Yeah, yeah. Look, that's a that's a great question, and it's something that we uh, spend a lot of time about talking about, both internally and with our customers and and our partners. I think the answer right now is not quite ready, but let me talk you through a couple of the things that we're doing here. So we've certainly speak to customers, and some of them are, "You will never take the CLI out of my hands. I don't want a web browser interface. I don't want APIs. I still want to do everything, you know, in a very manual core scripted uh, kind of a way." Right through to people that want to do everything off an application on their mobile phone that wouldn't have been perceivable years ago. But one of the things that we're doing at Aruba with the AI ops capabilities inside uh, Aruba Central is providing the insights to the end user. For example, you should make a configuration change on this wireless network because too many clients are dropping out for this particular reason. And we can notify the end user of that and then elect them to essentially with a one-click button, apply that change. So it's a kind of a semi-automatic way of, of resolving the problems. And we're doing that very deliberately so that you actually start building up trust with the IT administrator or the people that are using the technologies. And so if you're continuously providing insights to that administrator with great context and explanations and all of the technical detail that may be required, and then you're providing them with a very simple way to actually deploy that change, and then you're providing a feedback loop on how that change has positively impacted the end user experience or or perhaps what impact it has had, you start doing that enough times correctly. And eventually the end user might say, or the administrator, sorry, might say, well, for for this category of AI insights that we might get, I'm actually going to let the network deploy that automatically because I've got enough trust in the system. I've been using it. um, I've got enough trust in in Aruba to make that happen. And by the way, I've got a great audit trail that does allow me to roll something back even automatically if that change was to cause some other kind of issue. So that's the approach that we're taking in terms of letting people leverage the benefits of that automated sort of closed loop AI ops capability, but still have that final oversight with the view to building that trust so that eventually they can just let the system do what it needs to do in in the interest of, of user experience. And again, I want to make this clear that it's very important to make sure that you measure what those changes and the impact of those changes have been so that you can be sure that uh, that the system is doing what it needs to, it's operating correctly, and you've got some real metrics and some real data that you can point to, which may lead you to leverage more AI capabilities, whether it's in the network or potentially in other parts of the organization. You've sold me on the idea of AI ops, and okay, fine. So what does a robust AI strategy look like? Well, look, I think as I sort of alluded to earlier, I think one of the keys is ensuring that you have good visibility of the data that all of your network and applications are generating. And so I think making sure that you are on a journey, I guess, to the cloud in order to be able to leverage, you know, having that sort of data more centrally available so that you can actually start mining it and the like. So I think making sure that you have that solid network infrastructure that's managed through the cloud and providing lots and lots of telemetry, I think that's one thing. As with anything, a robust strategy has got to involve your own people and training, right? Some of these concepts may be new for your traditional network engineers or IT support staff. And so I do think that you have to make sure that, you know, that you set aside time to actually ensure that your employees are adequately trained and and informed so that they can make those decisions. And then I think finally is make sure that you work with experts in the industry, you know, whether it's your your partners or, or your strategic vendors, really challenge them to 
understand what they're able to provide given whatever technology you may already have, as well as what other technology you may need to bring in in order to, to do so. And I guess finally, if you haven't started, get started with a small sort of a pilot. A robust strategy has to have a starting point. Finally, how can enterprises improve network connectivity and build a resilient infrastructure in 2022? Yeah, that's a great question. And and again, I think that the the future has never been brighter in order to be able to build resilient, secure networks. So I think um, SD-WAN is really, really a hot topic right now. We see customers all over the world really moving from a more legacy, bespoke private network to leveraging public broadband, 5G, whatever connectivity may be, and using the power of SD-WAN not only to transform their WAN and really connect multiple offices and employees and and the like, but actually rethinking as well what that sort of branch office looks like, because I'm connecting today from my home. It's effectively a micro branch of Aruba Networks, you know, with my corporate access point here and and connecting in and the like. And so leveraging, you know, SD-WAN technologies, not only for your sort of physical locations, but for the remote employees that, let's face it, for a lot of people is, is here to stay, I think is a really, really important. And when you move to that kind of a SD-WAN style uh, approach, you can actually start to leverage a lot more cloud security technologies and capabilities, meaning that moving away from this four walls of security around your office and really bringing security as close to the end user or to the device as possible and leveraging the capabilities of all of these great cloud security solutions that are out there. SD-WAN is is critical. And I think the other thing that's critical is, is Wi-Fi 6. Today, there's still potentially some users that have got a better wireless experience at home that maybe they've had in the office. And look, for some people, it may be the reverse. <laughs> they have a better experience in the, in the office. But I think Wi-Fi 6 is indeed very mature. Uh, we've actually got Wi-Fi 6E now even. But I think that we spend a lot of time connected wirelessly. And so it's very, very important that your users um, you know, have the latest Wi-Fi 6 technology in order to be able to leverage all of these applications and communications that, uh, that we sort of spend a lot of time on day to day. Carlos, thank you for joining me on Podcasts for Future CIO. Thanks, Alan. That was Carlos Gomez-Galiego, Chief Technology Officer, Asia-Pacific and Japan for Aruba Networks, speaking on the topic of AI and the journey to automation. You are listening into Podcasts for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podcasts for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcasts for Future CIO. Bye for now.